I wanted some pants, but I didn't have pants. This is all I had in my locker. You've done some hard work, man. You got dirt all over your freaking jeans, your warm-ups, whatever you got. And it's just full of this stuff. But I know this, if we really want to go where we want to go, we got to get all the rest of this out of our stuff, man. This last bit of losing's got to get out of here. It crushes us. It costs you a game, costs you a season, costs you the playoffs. Like that's we got to get out, man. When we have a game and we own that game, we finish that game. Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Field and Company. Adam Hill is here as the company. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota studios. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Hard Knocks Wednesday. Hard Knocks Wednesdays. Dan Campbell, opening speech, pants, poop. I didn't get it. It was a lot. It was a long way to go. He's having trouble. He's not thinking through these things. And as you joke, the props didn't work. Yeah. I mean, look, he tried. And I get kind of where he was going. That all those little mistakes that are made along the way are things that collect on your pants. So, like, maybe one one little problem isn't that bad but when you have like 10 problems then your whole pants are covered i think is where he's going and then he shook him out he's uh he was struggling i mean think i think he had like a kind of a concept it just didn't quite go where he wanted it to go but mcdc you're better than that you're you're better than that you know what is mcdc motor city dan campbell really You don't like it? Is this sort of an official thing, or you made it up? No, I don't think I made it up. It's a it's a very social media thing. I believe it was a... I think it was a McAfee thing. But it's social media is MCDC. Whenever you're watching Hard Knocks, it's just trending like crazy. Uh, but yeah, and Motor City Dan Campbell. He's, but you're better than... He's great. But I guess if you're trying to come up with like a motivational speech every day, there's going to be some misses. Yeah, but I think he does. That's the problem. So he misses a lot. Maybe, but they don't. I mean, we don't see enough of it. Maybe they were trying to do that to him. Maybe they're trying to throw him under the bus. Like, hey, your your popularity is getting a little too out of control. We need to show that you miss every once in a while too. Mighty Casey, he's losing me. I told you, he, I was losing, or I was missing him, really from the get go. I'm not feeling it. I don't feel like the Lions are going to have some big season. But that said, there was a lot of stuff to cover from Hard Knocks, so we'll get to that. Throughout Cofield and Company, Adam Hill is here. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. It is the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Justin Watkins coming up, our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, in less than 15 minutes. All right, day two of joint practice, Patriots and Raiders. A lot of stories to hit on. I do want to go back to yesterday and see if there was any progress today, any answers today. The offensive line and what the hell's going on at right tackle. And then I saw Paul Gutierrez from ESPN.com say that there could be some developments, but you can't report on it right now on the offensive line. What is going on? Because the list you sent out yesterday or the potential starting line of Miller, Parham, James, Lester Cotton, Jermaine, Illuminor, maybe you said, Thayer Munford if he's healthy. All right, what developed today? What was the chatter yesterday after day one? Well, to your first question, I couldn't tell you. 
what developed today? No idea. I mean, oh, no. we were blocked yesterday. <laughs> we were Willie blocked. Willie today. told us yesterday <laughs> that uh, you guys were pretty far away, and then the players were in front of you, and um, and then I saw a lot of Patriots media people just annihilating the Patriots. Yeah. So I was wondering what the setup would be today. You got you got double Belichick here. You got original Belichick, and then little Belichick and their policies are going to be about the same. So really they, they held a joint practice and you guys just couldn't see anything. Yeah. I mean, the Patriots actually, the Patriots media told us it's much more blocked here than it is in New England. Really? Yeah. They said, cause we said, we just assumed this was a, a Patriots thing. And they said, Oh no, this is a Raiders thing. This is a McDaniels thing because we see a lot more in New England than we do here. And you know, by the way, Belichick much more open than we expected yesterday. Also like he, he's not being typical Belichick, but they are blocking. And yesterday, there was a lot of reporting of what was going on, and I think it went above and beyond what is allowed. And then I think some Patriots people tweeted out more than, way more than you're allowed, and then that caused some of the Raiders people, uh, and I'm talking about media people, to then say, all right, well, if we're allowed to tweet this stuff, we're, we're not going to be beat, so we're going to start doing it. So there was a race yesterday and a lot of details, and explain to the audience, in well, with the Raiders, but also with the Patriots, you're really... You're told not to tweet out a bunch of details. But it's, 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 it's also hard to know sometimes what is open and what is not. And then when you see people out there, you know, giving out a lot of the details, you're like, okay, I guess it's okay. Yeah. And then some people say, well, how come they tweet it out and you don't? Well, we're following rules and they're not. I mean, there is there is part of that. Now, this is an NFL rule. This is not Patriots or Raiders or being you know, deceptive or whatever they are. This is an NFL rule. That it, when you are allowed to watch practice, and by the way, you can only watch practice in training camps. That's over. Today was the last training camp practice. That's done. So no more watching practice. But you can't tweet out plays, lineups, <laughs> um, things, anything that would possibly give away anything. So actually, theoretically, tweeting out who's the first team off the line, right. not allowed. So yesterday when Pew sent it out and then uh, our vast social media team retweeted it on ESPN Las Vegas, violation. We were lectured. Violation. Sure, we were lectured out on the field. Uh, <laughs> you guys are getting, you guys are getting coached a little. Of course. So, I mean, I guess to put it easier for people, um, you could theoretically say, "Hey, great catch by Devonte Adams," but you couldn't say, "Derek Carr just hit Devonte Adams on a seam route," something like that, or or especially, I mean, the most egregious would be, you know, trips right. Devonte Adams in the slot, seam route, touchdown. Like, you couldn't tweet something like that. Right. So it's a pretty fine line of what you can and can't do. And for the most part, I think people Which, follow it. You can accept it, right? Yeah. Except, as I said, yeah. when other people do when, it, and then, you look like an, it. and then you look like an idiot for following the rules. And then your bosses are like, what the hell is happening here? Sure. And, and fans. You know, yeah. fans will be like, well, what is this? And now I'll tell you, there, there is some newcomers – to media, right? Who are tweeting way more than they're allowed to. And by the way, I I'll say this: yeah. I'll say this. Might not know what they're talking about because some of it they're tweeting when they're blocked. Their entire view is blocked, and then they're tweeting. I've seen a lot of detail, and I'm like, wow, that's it's pretty crazy. And then one, I don't know if it's allowed to. Do they really know what the hell's going on? Yeah, I think both are fair questions. But then the responses are, wow, you give us so much more than the other beat writers. They suck. Yeah, and you're like, well, first of all, you're trusting him. And second of all, you you know he's breaking the rules and we're not, so it's a whole thing. It is yeah. a, it's a thing, and I think you know to some fans it matters. Um, and then there's a, but there is also narratives that develop, right? Like you see out of other camps, and you see it with the Raiders of 
a guy has a good practice two days in a row. Everybody starts tweeting about it. All the fantasy people around the country start talking about it on their shows. And then it's just a narrative. That guy's awesome. You're like, wait, how did this happen? Because one guy thought he was good at one practice. Yeah. But yes, that's what happens. It's crazy. People have such a hunger for NFL knowledge. It's crazy. All right. A little more on day two with the Patriots and Raiders. A lot more on day one because that's where we got a lot of details. And it seemed like the New England media was very, very negative until the end of the joint practice, just hammering the Pats. Coming up next, ESPN Las Vegas legal analyst Justin Watkins joins Cofield and Company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Justin Watkins is in. Uh, one last thing before we get to a lot of it later on on the Patriots being in town against the Raiders. Adam kind of hijacked the opening of the show. Wait, what? Well, we were just talking about the media challenges. Sure. Uh, and I understand it. There's, uh, you know, they had an open practice for the audience. If you missed it, they have this op- these uh, these practices going on, and different media people are there, and there's competition to send out what exactly is going on, but you're only supposed to send out certain things and people are doing you know, more than they're supposed to. And then the people who aren't doing it are getting a rash of crap from viewers, readers, and all of that. Um, I thought there was a lot of good things that came out of some of the press availability the last couple of days. Uh, one is Josh McDaniels really is just a loquacious Bill Belichick at times. <laughs> this was amazing. Uh, yesterday when he was asked about the injury situation, uh, Vic Tafer from the athletic was asking about the injury situation on the offensive line with both Parker and, and Munford, and watch how he kind of just kind of dances and weaves on this one. The injuries to uh, Munford and Parker, are they long-term or short-term? And what have you seen from El Mandor this camp? Jermaine is, you know, uh, Jermaine's been out there every day and battling. And we played him at multiple spots, which, again, the more you can do, the more value you might provide. You know, he knows that. Uh, so he's played a guard, tackle both sides, um, which is is a unique skill, you know, for Jermaine and, and uh, really been a dependable guy, um, you know, like I said. Gives great effort out there every day. Um, you know, puts him, puts he's put himself in a position here to really factor, you know, on our team and, and play. So, um, you know, excited for what he's what he's been able to do. And um, the other other guys, like I said, they're just working through their stuff. Same thing as the other guys are. Our list is not long. We're 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 fortunate right now. Um, hopeful, like I said, I don't want to put a time frame on anybody because I don't really know. Uh, but I know they're working extremely hard to get back here as soon as possible, and hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. Yeah, so very little on the players that were actually injured. But by the way, it's very possible that one of them is out like one or two more days, and one of them is out three or four months. Right, and he tied them tied them together. The same, they're both working. I'm sorry, I, you know what? Belichick doesn't say anything because he just doesn't say anything. And you were telling me I had missed this yesterday that Willie Ramirez got a Heisman on a question, and Belichick just laughed after he had Heisman him. Um, McDaniel's is really good at this, and yeah. I'm just I'll throw it out right now. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but I thought I think it was genuine. Derek Carr yesterday with the redirection of the Dana White comments to someone had passed away in the organization was brilliant. And I'm sorry if someone passed away. I believe him on that. But I watched it. I was like, wow, talk about disarming everyone in the room because you can't – what are you going to do after he talks about, hey, there's more important things. Someone died. Did you say you you think somebody actually did? I I went and confirmed. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. Somebody did pass away. Why did you check? Uh, I'll, you want to know really why? I think I know why. Because I just watched the Manti Teo documentary? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so yes. we bring in Justin. I know you haven't watched it yet. The Manti Teo documentary is, it is, I watched the rest of it last night. 
It is unbelievable. It's so good. It, it really is. And I can only imagine what would happen now in terms of like, you know, legal stuff and lawsuits. And, and I'll just say that the kid who, who faked the whole thing is Lene Kakua is just a slime ball. He, I, that as a woman now, she, she, she is not remorseful. She doesn't care. Like you really feel bad for Manti Teo. Like he is destroyed. This person came out of this stronger. Hold on. I think she did. I'm the only person, I guess, that, that I've talked to that just feels awful. I don't. For her. I don't. I don't because by the end, Adam, uh, she was saying like basically this was a means to an end. I discovered myself by you know raking this guy over the coals and embarrassing him nationally. Listen, and and Manti Teo is still all broken up and like crying at the end. It's I, awful. Oh, listen. I feel one million out of one hundred terrible for Manti Teo. No question. But I think to watch this and see the pain somebody's going through and what drove drove them to do something like this, which is so disgusting and deceitful. But what somebody has to be going through to do that, you'd have you have to feel for that person. I just I just think you do, and nobody else seems to agree with me. But I, I you know that's how I am by nature too. But I I just and yeah I would have liked to see more remorse. But I think yeah I think the this person had to find something about themselves and he, I mean, he has turned obviously, you, you are really you have turned into a i i i'm not mad at you not turned into i'm not mad at you been. no you've become much more of a softy as you've gotten older it, the, the great thing about the documentary it really is a study in how we react as a country to news items like this because i'm not gonna say everyone was mean but we i i thought i thought back to 2013 and the way we reacted was, was 13 yeah um and it was just like we were clowns. Yeah, we were clowns. No one tried to understand the story. The whole angle of is Manti Teo gay? Yeah. It's just Dude, like we treated him so bad as a society and media and everyone. Everyone, yeah. I did this yesterday. I, I could not believe this. But Manti Teo is now, I think, married. He's de- he definitely has a kid with his longtime girlfriend. I think girlfriend wife. I'm not sure. 2019, I saw a headline yesterday. 2019, Manti Teo has a girlfriend. This time, she's real. 2019. Yeah. Like that was just recently. And we're still doing this to this poor guy. Hopefully that ends now. And hopefully he finds some peace from telling a story. I just saw an interview with him where he said, you know, no matter how much I tried to get over this, I was going to have to share everything good and bad and ugly to get through it. And hopefully that, that has worked for him. He deserves it. I don't know. Switch, switching gears. It got me thinking about <laughs> on this, the, you know, the deflection from Derek Carr, sure. which started this conversation. You got all this Boston media out here. Yeah. Do they like look down on you guys? Do they look down on media that's not like East Coast media? Do they are they like yes they, do they no. see themselves what, as the it, Ivy Leaguers? I'll tell you what, it felt different. What they what they were tweeting out felt a lot different than what people out here tweet out. I mean, and I even I was saying to another media person early in the day, I'm I actually I I thought they were just basically not trolling, but they have to feed a certain beast in the Boston area. So if they need to go negative and stir things up and say that the Patriots look like ass, then that's what they're going to do. Well, I think they did. And, and here, here's because, the... Because all of you guys were like, wait, I a lot of you guys, Raiders media was like, that's not really what we saw, like utter destruction. Well... Early, some people, but it got better. Some people tweeted that they did. Some people did. Uh, uh, some people said it was one of the great moments in Las Vegas sports history. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I didn't see that. Um, I, I will also say another problem. The part that we were allowed to see, which is very limited... It like it was it was equal to watching a game that was like forty two to nothing, mm. like total destruction. And then apparently when they were behind, like lines of guys and we couldn't see anything. Apparently the Patriots destroyed the Raiders, but nobody got to see it because Josh McDaniels today was like, and I talked to somebody else that said the same thing. Josh McDaniels said, 
we wanted to finish practice strong yesterday and we got crushed and that sucked you guys are like but what? nobody saw it <laughs> so we could we couldn't talk about that but yeah apparently the patriots dominated the end of practice yesterday this is pretty crazy all right let's go after uh or get after a couple of stories here um one, the possibilities of what an HOA could do if you fly one of these flags that I've now seen being sold, defund the HOA. Which I'm de- like or, so or, far or, behind. Or, or, or I'm so behind that. I, I love it. I love every aspect <laughs> like of people it. People are it's flying like, this in their it's, yard. What? It's, how could they get in trouble with their HOA? It's the right use of defund. Like It is defund <laughs> the HOA. Like The HOA is meant to be a, a, a circumvention of local township and elected boards. And so that's why you got to have elections and their local rules so that you don't, you avoid township governments. That's that's the whole purpose behind it. And the the power that these HOAs now have through developers, not through elected leaders, is out of line and out of whack with their intention. And so I believe defund the HOA is exactly where I stand. Um, what can they do? Yeah, I mean, HOAs can agree to a whole host of rules that don't matter as to constitutional rights so they can they can limit your your free speech rights as a community um and and you can't do anything about it not not anything there are restrictions but um like let's take summerlin for example summerlin is a giant hoa right and there are no billboards in summerlin loud you don't see any political advertisement on people's lawns right you don't see flags being flown other than american flags these are all hoa rules right and state i think you can do state of nevada flags too i don't live in summerlin i don't know the rules um but i know i know generally some of them so they can limit your your constitutional rights because you it's an agreement that's in that's in writing and you buy into that when you purchase your home so or or rent your home and those those disclosures have to be made now can you fight those and can you win those you can right so for instance political advertisements and showing support on a political signage that you people have won that in the state of nevada against their hoa saying i that you're impinging on my first amendment rights of free speech and uh, uh the politicians that i support and the courts have agreed so it's not unfettered power um but like something like this, defund the HOA. No, our rule says you have to take that down. Um, they're probably not going to win that one. It's not a fundamental right. But somewhat related, this is popped into my head. Uh-oh. Can employers limit your right to express political speech? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. Unless, unless your employer happens to be government or quasi-government. So, what does what does quasi-government mean? I mean, are they a, a contractor that receives money from the federal government? Um, are they a, um, uh, a hospital that, that accepts Medicare, Medicaid patients, right? Like once you start accepting money from government entities, you can become a quasi government entity, in which case you do have employees do have some fundamental rights that will extend there. But like me, if I went downstairs and I saw somebody that said, you know, pro pro Republican and I didn't like it. And I'd say like, take that off. Like no shirts that say pro Republican, I could do that, and I could say, and it's okay to have one that says pro Democrat. I could. Wow. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't care what people wear, and I don't limit anybody's speech in my office. But I certainly could. Who controls your parking lot? Well, what's going on? No, I'm just wondering, like, uh, what, you know, what businesses in their parking lots. If you have a, a complex in a shared parking lot, and a bunch of people are in there with, you know, 
F Joe Biden, oh. let's go Brandon. You know, yeah, yeah, Trump yeah. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow that. I mean, those, those well, people you, don't work. You for... control the parking lot? Yeah, that's you my control land. the whole thing. No, I, I have, I control almost all of this though. Okay. It's funny. It when when we purchased the building, I mean, there is lines into the yeah. parking lot. I own the, all the way up to that other building. So like, every once in a while, I I assert the power too. You know, <laughs> the construction trucks will come over here with their dumpsters, and I'm like, nah, man, this. <laughs> Unless you're working on my building, get out of here, dude. You got to park on their on their lot. So let's go, Brandon, on my car. I park right across, and I'm good. Well, you're on you somebody else's you land. Can't say anything. You're on somebody else's well, land. Yeah, they can say something. <laughs> or and we have a collective HOA. You know, it's so funny. I'm not that guy, but I was the other day too. Somebody was dumping something in my in my dumpster out here. So some old guy just pulls up his truck, starts unloading stuff, and I'm like, hey man, this isn't a public dumpster. What do you say? He, he's like. Oh, you know, I use this dumpster all the time. And I'm like, well, then stop Not using anymore. this. is my dumpster, dude. Like, I pay for this dumpster. Like, get get out of here. Like, I had to, like, convince him that he was still like, well, no, but it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine. This is my dumpster, dude. Take it out of here. Otherwise, I'm going to, like, snap some photos of your of your where, identification. Where do you draw the line on that? Because not not yours, but I do I do often into, like, a business and throw it into, yeah, into a dumpster. Well, the they could tell me to stop. They could. I mean, like I, I do that too. Obviously, <laughs> this dude's unloading like pallets of stuff, dude. Like, like old carts and stuff. It, it happens from time to time because we, you know, we have residential right around us, and they can see into our parking lot. Like, oh yeah, there's a dumpster. I'll just go use that. Outrageous, outrageous. <laughs> I would never do that. Um, question. <laughs> yeah, Justin Watkins is here with us. Uh, question about the ultra rich. Who just don't care like there's nothing you can do to them this is a great story out of california and right now we kind of hate california for the, the water battle with arizona california and nevada kim kardashian repeatedly broke california's drought rules reports the la times exceeding her water limit by 230 gallons in june what other offenders include uh stallone kevin hart and obviously millions in southern california under strict water limits what know. can you do to her you really can't what are you gonna find her she doesn't care yeah, they're not turn off the water. Strict water limits, man. All you gotta do is watch all the stories down there. They're all acting like they live in a tropical paradise in Southern California. They're growing the craziest crops in the middle of the desert, and the people on the coast live. You know, all you gotta do is look over the border in Tijuana and see what it's supposed to look like. It's you know, it's high desert. It's chaparral type habitat. It's not <laughs> tropical flora everywhere. So what, what's gonna happen here? What are we going to do as a state? Because we've done the we've done the right thing. We've done the for best years things. and years yep. and years, and then we're the ones who are hitting screwed to a certain extent. Ah, we haven't got screwed. I mean, okay. the reduction of eight percent, I think, was all for our use was immaterial. We we don't even we, you know we have a twenty percent cushion there even after the eight percent reduction of of what we use. So I mean, I know California not having theirs reduced by any percent was was hard hit. But I'll say this: ninety nine percent of the food that comes into Nevada comes from California. Right. And zero percent of it comes from the deserts of Arizona or the deserts of Nevada. You know, so I, I sort of understand from an agricultural perspective on that. But the reality is, is the rich are never going to do anything unless it becomes criminal, unless it takes away freedoms. If it comes with a monetary fine, we'll just pay the monetary fine. On the way back, we're going to talk about slap. We got a slap situation here in southern Nevada. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. 
only on Cofield and Company. So we got legal stuff to get to with our legal insider, Justin Watkins. We're here at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, but uh, we also have fantasy football to get to because we're all in a fantasy football draft. Actually, Adam's in like 25 drafts. I know Justin plays a lot. We have a draft coming up tomorrow. I wanted to play this for you on Darren Waller, who last year my plan going into our draft was I'm getting one of these tight ends. And I wound up paying way too much for Waller, and he wound up underperforming. And now this year, the, since the Raiders will not indicate what the hell's going on with Waller. And again, uh, here's Willie Ramirez asking Josh McDaniels about Darren Waller. And it's the, you know, Josh McDaniels is brilliant at kind of just dipping, darting, and diving. We've been hearing for weeks that Darren Waller is working through something. We saw him once last week. Are you concerned with the extended absence? And do you expect him back by week? I'm not. Um, concerned. Um, he's doing, like I said, he's doing everything he can to get out there as soon as he, he, he can be. Um, and I, I don't want to make a prediction on whether he will or won't be ready here in a few weeks. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I see him every day. Um, he's in every meeting. He's doing everything he can to get out there as fast as possible, working his butt off. And, and I feel like this is, you know, he knows that he's going to be a big part of this, this team and, and what we want to do. And he's right there, at, like I said, in every meeting. But I'm not concerned about it. Sorry, are you play- that was the, uh, the Munford and Parker sound, I think. <laughs> I think it was the wrong one. I have noticed that the group of Raiders media has experienced – some vagueness in his answers for about three weeks. And now you're getting a lot more specific and he still is able to be vague about it. Well, he threw in, I wouldn't want to make any guarantees about right. a couple weeks from He's now. He's working very hard to come back from an injury. Well, or from a contract snap ham- hamstring injury. Uh, I, so do you expect him to play week one? What happened? We if, need to know for fantasy. If football. you, if, well, I'm not telling you guys. We're right. <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, well, we're tell the tomorrow. listeners. Sure, you, you guys know. cover your ear. Yeah. Uh, so I I asked my question right after that, and if you, if you heard my question, it was, well, I was about to ask you about Waller, so I yeah, will change now, and I still a question out there, but oh, we have it. I was going to, uh, I was going to phrase it. We know Darren Waller is doing everything he can to get back on the field, but because <laughs> I was like, I just want to take away the answer, right? And so then Will, so Willie asked right before me, and he was specific. He tried to be, but you can't really get an answer. God, he's uh, good. It's tough. God, he's, he's good. good. And by the way, in the room, and you've been in there, you don't notice it. You like you think he's giving good answers, and then you get back to transcribe, and you're like, oh, God, this sucks. Yeah. When you're outside the room, I notice it. Because uh, I, I, a lot of times I'm watching on YouTube as it's going on, I'm like, man, that's good. And uh, this morning I watched I was like, man, that was a good answer that he gave Adam Hill on the offensive line. He said, like, a little bit, but we're going to pull that because yeah. we can get to that little bit. All right, so Waller, we're all we're all dropping him down the list, right? I mean, I, you know I've uh, always Down your tight end bit, list. I'm, I'm out on tight ends this year. Oh, really? I'm, not, I'm paying for what a tight end. What an announcement. Yeah, wow. I'm telling you guys right now. You. I can't yeah, believe you revealed some, that. Yeah. Some notes. That's it. I'm not paying. I, every year I pay for the what? top tight end. Every year, and then whatever happened. I got to do, start, we all started doing it. Too. Yep, you guys all started doing it, and then watch—we're going to see Mark Andrews tomorrow. Thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine. <laughs> yeah, we do an auction. What two sixty yeah, budget? Well, I'm not saying I'm not going to push up the number, right. but I, I don't intend on landing any of the big target tight ends. Real quick on the media stuff: Do you guys ever game plan before to work together? I mean, isn't how about the question like this? Like, 
hey, Willie, I'm going to ask this question, and then you follow up with this question, right? Like, can't do it. Is you really Waller can't. hurt? You can't do it. You like, can't really, you can't really I know, do it. But I mean, you guys they, always they, give they these. Around, they bounce around the room. Yeah. So if you had a, a little group of media people, it could be split up where you don't get a question for three questions Yeah. after the initial question. But nobody asks the direct question, is Waller hurt? Nobody says that. Well, he's, he's said that. He's answered that a couple times. So, like, he now he he just says. He says no. No, no, wait. That question was asked. Directly, just the like que- that. The question was, is he hurt? Is Darren Waller missing time because of an injury or something else? You guys always do the ors. I know. Can't ask it either or. Why sure. do you do or questions? It, it's a yes or no question. You yeah. got to leave it yes or no. When you do the or, there's no yes or no, and then they're just going to be like, you know, I don't get in. Well, he's things. not going to answer yes or no anyway. He's going to give 30-second 30, 30 answer of nothingness. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. And we tried. And, by the way, not to single out Willie, we just heard his question. Usually there is a lot of that in Willie's questions, and he's he's definitely adjusting to McDaniel, so he's doing a good job on that. Yeah, cool. But it's still, as you said, it's not there yet. It's experience yeah. on Cofield and company. Yeah, I'm 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 out on Waller. I'm out on Kelsey. I'm sure. on Andrews. Really? I'm out sure. on all of them. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out on tight ends because the same thing happened to me last year. Nah. I paid for the tight ends, and it and it cost I me. I feel like That's we've let me. down the audience, but more importantly, myself. In that we haven't done a lot of fantasy football previews with experts because generally if we do three or four spots, Adam will give away his secrets and snitches. Yeah. And then I, I know going into, I know going into the draft who he likes. I haven't even looked this year. Oh, is that right? I haven't even studied. No research. Even no research for a guy who's in twenty five leagues. Brett Favre still playing? And uses it as a financial investment. I mean, he, I he relies on these winnings. He's already <laughs> not, booked vacations based kidding. on these winnings. <laughs> you're not kidding. This year, the last couple of years, it's been Cabo Cancun. This year, it's going to be Laughlin. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Laughlin. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful town. Let's talk about slap. What is slap? Yeah. So slap's a statute that uh, prevents um, the hindrance uh, or pre- prevents anybody from using the legal justice system to uh, inhibit free speech. So when somebody is using free speech as an, uh, an elected officer or officer of the court or um, so it applies to lawyers it applies to politicians it applies to elected office holders uh it, it applies to uh journalists uh, and what it what it says is hey if you don't like what i'm saying you don't just get to sue me absent a super high level of proof that that is beyond what we normally have so not every state has anti-slap rules, but Nevada has one of the strongest anti-slap rules, which is, Justin, we don't like what you said um, in this press conference about this lawsuit that you have. I'm going to sue you. And then I file a motion immediately with court, like anti-slap. They're trying to inhibit my ability to talk about my client's case. And like 99 times out of 100, boom, granted, case kicked out. And you get attorney's fees when, yeah. when, you, when you get those cases kicked out. So it's not a case you want to bring and see an anti-slap Loss, uh, motion dismiss against you. Tick Seagerbloom was being sued or is still being sued by Mac Miller because I guess he said on TV in a couple of tweets, quote, being sued by Mac Miller is like being called ugly by a frog. <laughs> and this one got juicy because wasn't there a, a failure to pay some sort of fee and that screwed <laughs> it up? And now, and now Mac Miller is being sued under slap, right? Well, no, no. So he, Mac Miller sued and, yeah. uh, Sigurd Bloom's office did the anti-slap motion to dismiss. That was granted by the court, and the court said, hey, uh, or they appealed it. Uh, Mac Miller's team appealed it, but they didn't pay. 
apparently, allegedly, did not pay the court fees on the appeal. <laughs> and so after a certain number of time of not paying the court fees, which you get notice of. I mean, they don't just do this and wait for you to make a mistake. The court will tell you, hey, you got to pay your fee. Didn't pay the court fee. So the Supreme Court dismissed the appeal saying you never paid the fee. Years we gave you. You never paid the fee. So your appeal's over. Get sent back down to the district court. And then <laughs> Sigurdsson's team said, hey, uh, we, we believe we're owed attorney's fees for this waste of time. We won the anti-slap. The appeal was, away, you know, was not even um, presented in good faith. What didn't pay the court fees. Uh, and so they're seeking 30 some odd thousand in attorney's fees, um, which is <laughs> Frankly, seems a little low to me. Um, I, I, I would guess that they're going to get it. Wow. Okay. Uh, Clark County Commission is debating about cannabis lounges having patios. Should the lounges that we have here, should they have patios? The local neighborhood is concerned about the smell. Uh, I think no. I, really? I, I, I think they should not have patios. I mean, unless we have you know, a green district that is so far away from any other type of business or, or residential. I mean, it's, you shouldn't have to live next to that. You should not have to live next to that strong stench. And it, you know, I go to Denver often, my brother lives there and there is a particular part of the freeway that you drive on the I 70, just getting into town where they have these grow facilities and these lounge are working on these lounges. And, it is so repugnant and thank God it's right next to like, you know, industry. It's actually right next to like a dog food supplier. So maybe it's a dog food. I don't know. But in any case, like I, it would drive me crazy if there was an outdoor pot lounge anywhere close to my neighborhood. And I smelled it every day in my house. Like you that would you never me. smell anything in your neighborhood from neighbors. Oh, every once in a while. Yeah, sure. I've got some neighbors, but that, that do it, but not to that scale, not to where it's daily and super strong. Um, you know, like I've had to talk to my kids about what that smell is, you know? There's a difference between like your three burnout neighbors yes. and like hundreds and hundreds of people every day, I think. Adam, you live in a rough part of Soho. Do you I smell do. weed in your around your house all the well, time? I, I can walk to a dispensary. Yeah, there's house. a dispensary right next to you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, It'd be nice to have a lounge right out there. You could smell it right in your backyard. I mean, it wouldn't bother me necessarily, but yeah. I, I don't, I can understand why people wouldn't want it in their house. Yeah, I, it would bother me, and I think, I mean, I think you can have a patio at a at a lounge. You just can't smoke out there. There's all kinds of other ways to consume it. Consume it, sit out on the lounge, have a good time, you know, whatever. Just don't and smoke out eat there. Eat it, drink it. Yeah, what do you want to do? Yeah. We've talked about conference realignment, and it's getting crazy again because now Oregon really is getting strong and talking to the Big Ten, and I'm sure Phil Knight's trying to work out a deal here for Oregon, basically buy himself into the conference. Uh, well, although we've talked about the fact that he does support Oregon State and he does support Washington State, or is it Cal? Stanford. Stanford. He went to Stanford. Okay. So Big Ten gets a, a seven-year deal with three different networks, uh, about $1.1 billion a year, and, and Kevin Warren didn't close the door. He's the commissioner of the Big Ten on paying the players. Jim Harbaugh brought this up. I guess players would have to, again, they'd have to bond together to make a real case for, hey, you know, we have, we can get NIL money. Why don't we get a share of the TV money? I, I, it's definitely going to happen. It's I mean, definitely going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying wow. it two years from now, but within the next 20 years, yeah, there'll be like a collectively bargained, you know, I think amount that, that 
players get in different conferences and maybe they'll get it unified across the board but uh, you know with all the court rulings that we have out here with how they treat the players as employees i think it's just going to be very tough i think once a conference does that like i wish the pac-10 would do it right now they're just about to renegotiate this deal i wish they would say and 20 percent of it will go to the players and then watch how quickly they become uber competitive in in the college football landscape which is the only reason that the conference is at risk right now is because they haven't been uber competitive in football top to bottom in the last 20 years so i got i just i i wish my conferences and the teams that i follow would really think outside the box with this stuff and really get aggressive with it because there's no rules preventing it and man wouldn't that just change the landscape that's like make the same collective bargaining agreement that that you see in most pro sports which is at least 30 percent, and sometimes as high as 55 percent. i think it's 55 percent in the nfl so of, of tv money go crazy five seven oh nine thousand is the number what's cooking in reno anything new yeah we're up there up and running and uh you should start seeing our you know we're, we're slow rolling out the advertisements but you'll, you'll see us up there pretty soon um in, in our normal advertisements meaning billboards and and uh you know maybe some other media yes Let's do it. All right. Adam's coming back. I don't know why I'm like, I'm acting like he's leaving. He's going to be here the rest of the show. He's the company. Justin, have a great afternoon. You Get too. some rest, man. Get some rest. I'm going to study up on some of my fantasy football stuff. That's now, now, you know what rest. So we've got tight ends. Don't want to, yeah. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to study now. He's out. He's getting a $1 or $2 tight end. On the way back, uh, let's get into the latest news from Major League Baseball. Oh, my God. Someone can actually buy into Southern California with a Major League team. Artie Moreno might sell the Angels. How about someone here? Make a gigantic offer, and instead of worrying about the A's coming to Vegas, let's steal the Angels. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. Update from Lehigh Valley. How about this, guys? He's not done. Opposite. No, no he, he did, did not. Did he did. No, he did Three not. Three-run home run. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Now, back to Cofield and Company at the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Artie Moreno, news comes out yesterday, the owner of the Angels looking into selling the Angels. By the way, he'll make out okay. He bought the team in 2003 for $184 million. Forbes says the team is worth $2.2 billion, but to me it's probably worth more. It's Southern California, and we've already seen what happened. It's in the NFL, the NFL, Major League Baseball is not the NFL, but we saw what the Broncos went for. So I would imagine the Angels are going to go for a lot of money. I was thinking yesterday I joked with our buddy Miles Simmons because I figured he'd get a kick out of it. You know the first candidate I want to buy the Angels, of course, the Saudis. Uh, sure. Because, you know, buy them, what is it, $2.2 billion, buy them for three, uh, build another stadium, build a stadium, a new stadium for another bill, and then first year's payroll is a billion and just destroy everyone and – just crush baseball, crush their antiquated, stupid system. But I don't think baseball is going to let the Saudis in. Why can't one of the major power brokers in Las Vegas buy the Angels and then move the Angels here to Vegas? And then we get an owner who we know has money and will try to win, and we're not getting the A's, who we know if the A's come here, the A's are going to freaking milk the first four years. New stadium, so we'll do a $60 million payroll. They'll just count on getting crowds even if they're not winning. Well, Foley, Mark Davis, the Fertitas. 
I mean, along those lines. Come on. Wouldn't you rather have the team that doesn't spend anything and still wins over the team that spends a ton and doesn't win? I mean, that management, because then you, if you put a bunch of money into the A's, well, you're going to get all of a sudden be a winner. You're going to get new management. Yeah, would you imagine that management with the A's with money? Okay, yeah, that could be a leg, like, a part of the plan. Sure. You get the Angels and you steal Billy Bean. He <laughs> finally goes to a team where he has some pressure. Well, here's, I mean, here's the. Why problem can't you do that? that? The problem with all of that is. Okay, ready? If you're three, buying three billion if, for the Angels, fine. a billion for a stadium, and then a lifetime contract worth a billion. No, not a billion. We'll give Billy Bean two hundred million. Okay. I mean, I'm but just, of course, now I'm spending the Saudis' money and not Mark Davis, Bill Foley, or the Fertitas. So I guess they'd have to be more responsible when they did it. Sure. But they could still get Billy Bean. But I think the problem with your whole plan is like half, or I would say more than half, 80% of the reason buying the Angels is to buy to the market. Right. So, like, why are you, why are you buying them and moving? And here? there's no way baseball should allow, like, while they're laying back, acting like they don't care about Oakland and whether the team stays there, they're not letting a team, they shouldn't. You talk about a broken sport if they just let a team pull up roots in Orange County and move here? Yeah, no. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's all – I get the fun of it and the yeah. the, the wild speculation, but no. The, and, and they still want Vegas uh, as, as a market to hold over some of the other, you know, struggling markets to get new stadium deals and things like that. So it wouldn't make sense to move a thriving market to Vegas. It would just defeat the whole purpose of everything they've done the last five years. So I don't think that's going to happen. But – I do think it's intriguing to find out who does buy them and what they do with them. And, you know, I guess, first of all, what do you do with this, ma- you know, these two massive mega superstars, although one's career might be in question long term in Mike Trout. But uh, what do you do with those two guys to try to build a winning program around them? Or do you just move on from them and start over? By the source, this story would seem like a fake story. But I don't know why they would roll Phil Ruffin in in a fake story. Something calling itself Denny Darmo. It just says founder CEO of Snippets. Gaming, esports, sports, and entertainment tech. Says based in Texas. Tweeted out, billionaire Phil Ruffin, owner of Circus Circus and other properties. Met with A's execs in Las Vegas. Why why is that the, the marquee of the Ruffin Empire? I don't know. Negotiations appear to be gaining steam with the A's. Focal point of the discussion is Ruffin's 37-acre festival grounds, which neighbors the Circus Circus and the Sahara. Hmm. So that would be just for the sale of the land, not of the team. I would think so. Okay. Which, I mean, good news. We have a friend who just, I think, is trying to buy a place in there right above it. Right. Probably good news there, except then you lose out on all the concerts there, which kind of sucks. Yes. Is our friend buying forward-facing yeah. a forward-facing unit to the festival grounds? Yeah. Have we ever gotten confirmation on the festival grounds in terms of the sturdiness of the ground? I thought that was always the rumor that you might not be able to put a stadium there. Well. <laughs> By the way, who would be in charge of that? Like, who, who does that study? Like a geologist? The A's that doesn't are, sound right. The A's are very good who, at, who at, deciding, the ground. at deciding if land can be used for anything. They've done the Howard Terminal one for like two years now. I'm sure it's – is it any worse ground than the Coliseum? Yeah, it could be. The Coliseum is basically falling down. I don't think it would be that much worse. 
Boy, we get in these discussions where we we need an expert. That's why we had Justin Watkins in about attorneying. And well, uh, it's more fun to just just say, guess. It's more fun to say things. Well, I don't want to cross off a piece of property. Obviously, no, fine. like it, it, I don't think Ruffin would sell the property, and like and, you know, behind the scenes, he's like, yeah, it's going to cave in. So I mean, idiots, I'm, they didn't check it. Not making a judgment on him individually, but isn't that what rich people do?